Welcome to the Silver Caduceus Association podcast, where we take a break to explore how Medical Service Corps officers shape the story of the Army. This is our story, and I'm your host, Dave Paramore. Let's get started. Well, uh, hello, everyone. Again, Dave Paramore here with you once again. Um, This time I'm coming to you from the great Fort Bliss, Texas. I'm coming to you uh, as a part of my ride across America, I'm doing uh, a ride across America to support uh, wounded warriors and a war, uh, wounded warrior project. And as a as a matter of course, uh, I had the opportunity today to meet with uh, two great leaders of the 131st Field Hospital. I've got uh, the commander, Jason Williams, Lieutenant Colonel Jason Williams, with me today. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. It's great. Um, and we also have the XO, Major Andy Neighbors. Welcome. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here, too. We uh, have had a great conversation until now. We're uh, here at the guest house, socially distant, and uh, we're being respectful of the rules and having uh, an opportunity to uh, connect and, and hear from them firsthand as to kind of what uh, they've been up to and um, in supporting pandemic response and, and their role. Uh, but before we get into that, I just maybe want to hear briefly from each of them, what their current role is and kind of uh, what uh, what they're doing uh, now. Uh, Colonel Williams, Jason, do you want to tell us a little bit about your your role? Uh, yes, sir. My name is uh, Jason C. Williams, Lieutenant Colonel. I'm the commander of 131st Field Hospital, Guardian Knights. Uh, it's just truly an awesome opportunity to be the commander uh, of this uh, great organization. Uh, we are definitely focused on uh, take care of our people, uh, at the same time, make sure our families are, are taken care of and make sure we're ready when called upon. And that's evident from our recent um, mission um, in Riverside, California, as well as we have personnel supporting at New Jersey, as well as Unity, uh, Virgin Islands as well, too. So uh, it's just a great opportunity to just be part of this uh, amazing team. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that, Jason. Uh, um Great overview. We'll, we'll get back to that point about uh, some of that support here in a few minutes. Uh, I want to turn to uh, Major Andy Neighbors. Uh, you're the XO. What, what's that about? Uh, yes, sir. So as the executive officer, I'm uh, responsible for the staff to support Colonel Williams and uh, do a lot of the planning and execution and running of the day-to-day operations of the field hospital. Uh, so uh, I along with uh, my other primary counterpart, who's the operations officer, he handles all the training uh, and the operations section. And I do uh, mainly the logistics and the personnel part of the other half of that uh, and just ensure that we can do our mission from uh, from getting out the door uh, to getting set and making sure we have everything to support the field hospital while we're there uh, and then just guiding the staff for Colonel Williams and making sure he's got all the information he needs uh, from all my subject matter experts. Good. So for us old guys that uh, have lost track of Army organizations, um, so now we have the 131st Field Hospital and we have, uh, we used to be the 31st Cash. Jason, would you just kind of give a, a quick overview of the organization and, you know, the mission command? I, I'm just for the folks that have retired so long ago, we, we've lost track of what that looks like. And one of the most important things is, is about remembering your legacy. And then so 31st Combat Support Hospital, um, 
uh, right here on Fort Bliss, uh, better known as back in the days being better known as Phantom Medics. Uh, but we still maintain the motto, rightfully proud. Uh, our organization did a re reorg or a conversion a few years back uh, from 31st Combat Support Hospital to the 131st Field Hospital uh, between converting the uh, hospital center, uh, now is the 528 um, Hospital Center, better known as the Noble Knights, uh, commanded by Colonel Jason R. Sepanik and Command Sergeant Major uh, Steve Palmos. Uh, they are the hospital center, um, and I'll, I'll let Excel kind of give that breakdown. And then my organization is 131st Field Hospital. We fall under the hospital center. Uh, it's myself, and for my uh, my battle buddy is uh, First Sergeant uh, Mike Flores, who provides that senior enlisted advisor uh, role to ensuring that the units um, uh, that's subordinate to us, the Field Hospital Company, commanded by Captain Matt Little, as well as uh, 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 First Sergeant um, Stokes. And then we have a 214 commanded by Lieutenant Hom, as well as uh, Sergeant First Class Smith. And then we have 247, uh, Major Rivera and Sergeant First Class Ortega. And that is the uh, composite um, of, our, uh, of our organization. We are a 88 bed field hospital. Uh, each detachment has their own role and a part of that uh, with the medical augmentation detachment as well as the surgical detachment. And the field hospital company has a 32-bed um, portion of the hospital. So we are all uh, one big organization. We still maintain, as I said before, we still maintain that motto, rightfully proud. Um, the field hospital has been around, or the combat support hospital has been around since 1938. So we have a total of 83 years of legacy. Uh, and that's one of the most important things that, uh, as a commander, just want to make sure we remember our past and make sure we give uh, thanks to those who served in the in the battalion, in the cash, or in the field hospital of any role. Make sure there uh, we always remember that legacy. And we have a command conference room that has all that history, all the deployments, all the ribbons, and everything like that. And we just want to make sure our new inbound soldiers understand the history of our organization. And I turn it over to. Uh, to the XO if he has any comments. Yeah, Andy, that. you were talking uh, a little bit on kind of the lead up about that um, before we came on the air here, uh, the, the hospital center and kind of how that works because you have the field hospital. And, um, you want to give a quick overview of that? Yeah, so uh, so Colonel Williams alluded to the, uh, the reorganization of combat support hospitals in the AMED. So what used to be the combat support hospital, 240 bed organization, uh, kind of split up. So you have the hospital center, which is a mission command element over in the army's theory, two field hospitals. Uh, so here we've only got uh, the hospital center and one field hospital, and we would grab that other field hospital from some other unit if we needed and deployed. So the army's thought process is uh, go to a smaller, more modular footprint that you can deploy individual units and individual capabilities. So like the 32 bed field hospital company or a surgical detachment or a medical detachment on top of any of that. And you can mix and match it any way you want to build up to a full, what used to be 240 bed cash, but now it's a 240 bed field hospital, double full field hospital and hospital center. And just deploy that anywhere. Uh, so that gets you to cover the full range of missions, full large scale combat operations, uh, DISCA operations, DSERF operations, uh, humanitarian aid, anything that you want, you can just mix and match those units and you deploy actual units, not a slice 
of a unit, not just a company of a unit. So, um, so like Colonel Colonel Williams said, um, we're the ho- we got the hospital center above us, Arfield Hospital, which is that smaller cache uh, that you'd used to be thinking of with the full combat support hospital. Now, we got smaller, but that doesn't mean that we bring less capability. We have the full capability that the uh, that the old combat support hospitals uh, had, just a little bit smaller capacity. Well, to our listeners, um, you're welcome. Uh, that was an amazing overview, especially for the older folks like me who lose track of Army organization. And um, your mission now is to hit pause and go back and re-listen to every bit of that. That was a no extra charge in this podcast <laughs> for that amazing background. So, um, Jason, uh, you had mentioned kind of some of the deployments that you've been on, or, or I, I guess I, I don't know the, the term now, but uh, Homeland Defense or whatever, whatever that term, you'll correct me. But oh, yes, sir. It's, uh, you, you mentioned Riverside, you mentioned New Jersey, you mentioned Virgin Islands. Would you talk a little bit about how you've been supporting pandemic response? Yeah, and, and we're going to tag team this too. So it's, it's, it's just truly amazing. Uh, you know, our unit has been on uh, PTDO, prepared to deploy orders, uh, since I took command. Uh, and, and, and kudos to the previous command team, uh, Colonel Maxwell and uh, Master Sergeant. Uh, Pickens Thomas for you know, ensuring that the unit is prepared and ready um, before myself um, was able to, to take over. Uh, so our unit has been training, prepping, 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 uh, getting ready for it. And then we finally got called off the bench um, and, and, and was able to enter the game. And we were able to support the Riverside um, uh, COVID support mission. Uh, so we supported the Riverside University Health System. It was uh, located uh, at Riverside, California, actually Moreno Valley, uh, California. And uh, we had a, provided the C2 element. Uh, it was uh, a total of, of 95 personnel that kind of supported that mission. And we were nested with our civilian counterparts uh, providing that uh, uh, that response, you know, the, the DOD um, um, support uh, to support that, that hospital and, and for for me being there, uh, having the mentorship, the guidance, uh, the leadership of not only from uh, COVID Task Force Hospital One, as well as the 62nd Medical Brigade um, oversight, uh, it was definitely a great opportunity for us to be, just be embedded um, for our soldiers and for our nurses, for all of our providers. It, it was just a mixture of not only just MedCom, but ForceCom units. Uh, we had Air Force personnel supporting us too. So we were truly a joint effort, and we were able to be one cohesive team uh, out there at supporting that mission. So then that's just the Riverside, and I turn it over to, to Andy. Yeah, Andy, can talk about talk about your role. Yeah, so like Colonel Williams said, uh, March when COVID really exploded here in the United States, so we were actually had everything loaded up on trucks, ready to go out to our you know big big exercise for the year where we were going to validate uh, all of our training and everything like that. And Colonel Williams was going to come in with the old commander and see how we did it and everything. That was going to be his handoff. And then COVID hit. We actually had trucks out at one of the training areas. Wow. Uh, so the, the army said, Hey, we're getting ready to send field hospitals. So, uh, the last boss and I <laughs> decided <laughs> to, uh, say, okay, well, we're going to cancel the exercise for a lot of reasons. <laughs> It's a good, it's a good thing that we yeah, did. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, 
and so we brought those trucks back and we told uh we told our higher headquarters first med brigade and the army like hey we can deploy tomorrow like the fastest as soon as you can get us civilian trucks to put our stuff on we can be on the road and have people on an airplane because we were ready mm-hmm. we were already ready we we're uniquely built to or uniquely suited to do that uh with how our training plan kind of rolled out uh so lots of deliberation went on so we're an 88 bit that field hospital that colonel williams and i sort of talked about the other field hospitals are 148 bed hospitals so when they looked at pure capacity and pure numbers and not knowing what this disease was going to do and what they needed they hit our other units so we were standing there ready with a hand up saying hey we'll go send us uh but it, it just didn't happen mm-hmm. so that being said we went on a ptdo mm-hmm. uh, prepared to deploy order so uh our sister unit out of fort carson went up to seattle washington mm-hmm. uh the other sister unit from fort uh, from Fort, Fort Hood, Fort Hood yeah. Ninth Hospital Center went up to the Javits Center in okay. New York. Uh, a lot of people have heard the Army Field Hospital that mm-hmm. went and set up there. Mm-hmm. That was them. Yeah, uh, that was our sister unit. So they set up their field hospitals. Um, we were, you know, we were the bridesmaids while while they were the brides uh, the whole time. <laughs> uh, so they did their mission. We sat there uh, on just waiting for the the Army to call us to another one. Uh, trucks literally uh with everything on them everything lined up in the motor pool ready to go so that we could uh roll out within 48 hours uh none of those ever uh happened uh covid kind of died down in the slump there uh i think towards the summer is when it all mm-hmm. happened yeah uh and then then it kind of eked up again we got tied to another mission uh, another prepared to deploy order to uh fort sill oklahoma to uh support their uh, the Tradoc hospital that was out there. Uh, so we sat on that one for quite a bit of time. Uh, then we got tied to another prepared to deploy order uh, at the same time as that. Um, so we were sitting on that one. And so we sat on these missions literally throughout till November, till November. And so, you know, at this point, it's the uh, the boy who cried wolf. Right, right. And so we we've been waiting you know, had bags packed, literally had people with bags packed multiple times saying, hey, y'all are going to go out this weekend and it never happened. Mm-hmm. And so then rumblings start happening. Hey, California's getting hit again. So y'all are going to go there. Okay. Yeah, whatever. And you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's army, and so right? <laughs> then it was the week before we left uh, or the weekend. And they're like, okay, right. for real, the orders are getting ready <laughs> to be cut. Oh, man. So we went into planning mode yeah. and, and said, hey, what do we need? Uh, all of our people and the Army had learned a lot of lessons from those first couple of deployments. And we weren't sending, you know, full hospitals and equipment. It right. was just, you right. know, send people right. and they'll integrate into the civilian hospitals. Okay, with gotcha. civilian counterparts. But as, I think that's like, uh, Andy was kind of spot on about that. But like one, one thing he did talk about was lessons learned and. In order for us, our team to be effective, we were able to get some great feedback mm-hmm. from our sister units, you know, and, and uh, for, for Lieutenant Colonel Jason Hughes uh, at 10th uh, gave us some good insight uh, of, of, of how to structure the C2 know what kind of support we needed to provide. And I think that kind of helped us out big time uh, to get our uh, get our uh, get the team together. So like that, that for us both being 70 hotels, being medical operators, you know, we kind of thrive in chaos. And that was our, our, our opportunity during that, that staff analysis to make sure we had the best footprint, not only just focus on the clinical side, but also we had to focus on the behavioral 
the, the resiliency part, make sure we had our chaplain there oh, and, yeah. and, and all that, just to make sure we have, we can meet all our needs of our, of our team, of our teammates. You know, this story is so compelling to me. I'm just sitting here with goosebumps listening to you all tell the story and just the impact that Medical Service Corps officers have had in supporting this pandemic response. Was there a highlight that you can point to in this? I mean, obviously, it's the hurry up and wait. It's all, you know, we can all tell stories about how right. deployments are what they are. But was there a highlight that you can think about that, wow, that we, we were really Medical Service Corps officers really had an impact on a national emergency? Uh, you know, I, I, I do significantly remember a point. So I said we got tagged for the Fort Sill, Oklahoma mission. Yeah. Uh, and so that was when the Army has, was just taken off the Air Force's UAMTF, Urban Augmentation Medical Task Force. Yeah, you got <laughs> it's a it. mouthful. <laughs> uh, working off of that model. And so they sent us that and said, hey, y'all are going to go fill a hospital. You know, here's, here's what you need. So we looked at it and we did some analysis and said, okay, well, we don't need all of this. Uh, and we started cutting and pasting and, and figuring out what we needed for the operation. So we built the whole slide deck, uh, built what it would look like to go uh, facilitate one of these hospitals, and then you know, sent that up to our higher headquarters. And then they took that, our analysis, and pasted it over to some of the other missions that they were doing yeah. and said, hey, this is, this is what it should look like. Right. And so that was, that was a good highlight for, for us and our team because you, you did the detail Being able to do the analysis. Even though they stole your intellectual property. That's okay. But that, that, <laughs> hey, you don't steal anything in the Army. Right, right. Not in the Army. You know, we're all one team, one, one, big, one big family. You know, it's I'm, I'm all sorry. Good. I'm, I'm in an industry now, so I, just, that's just, my language. Just, just change the logo. It's, it's right. all good. Make sure you change the logo. Yeah, make sure you change the logo. So, you know. Did you have a thought, Jason? No, I, I think Andy uh, kind of hit it on the nail. Uh, uh, just for Medical Service Corps officers, uh, just overall, I think the biggest thing is just make sure that if you get tasked with something like this, make sure you do the staff analysis. Reach out to your your, your counterparts. You know, you never know somebody might have a product for you um, and that way you can kind of tailor and kind of shape it and make sure you get those lessons learned. I think that's one of the most important things to ensure that you're successful. Yeah, and I, I do have one more idea. Okay, tell So the, the other highlight I'd say is that Everyone always overlooks command and control, mission command, you know, whatever the buzzword is that, that we're using in the Army today. Right. Um, they, they say, okay, we can send all these doctors in or these nurses or medics, or, and they're all very smart people, a lot smarter than I am. I mean, they're, they're doctors, nurses, they have professional degrees, all that kind of stuff. And we're going to send them in to do their job. But we don't need to send in a support package because we'll just tag one of them for the extra mm -hmm. duty to do that. And us being able to reach out to 10th Field Hospital and say, what did you need? What did you bring for, and you know, on top of the obvious, we need these clinical professionals. And uh, we built our command and control section uh, off of that. And that was a huge, mm. huge. Uh, yeah, I think that was part of the success yeah. of just, you know, getting their lesson learned, like I, like I kind of talked about, but thinking about like the chaplain piece, mm -hmm. hey, who do you have for clinics? Mm -hmm. uh, who is your senior enlisted advisor? Right. And that's when I had uh, first Sergeant uh, first Sergeant Stokes, you know, and then, you know, you got to make sure you have an XO, you got to make sure you have um, a supply person, mm -hmm. a med log, but you got to have select people who are going to be, you know, fit the personalities and so make sure everyone kind of gel together. But at the same time, you got to make sure that they, you know, they can work independently. Yeah, and so I, 
think that's and, and that helps your clinicians to do their job to save lives but one person i gotta give a shout out to is staff sergeant trujillo uh she was one of the she was part of the clin ops piece but actually she kind of served as the go-to for all things clinical schedules you know if you had any issues with hotel concerns oh uh, yeah uh, things you don't think about things like that you don't the things that you don't the little <laughs> things that you know because you got to think about our personnel are under a lot of stress yeah of course. and we got to make sure as the admin as the c2 know we got to be provide that customer service right support right. so we were but Sarn Trujillo is the one not only just her Sarn Charbonneau and, and others but those two were the ones who were kind of making sure and Captain Bittenbinder she was our, uh, our clinical uh, nurse but they were the ones who ensure that you know schedules, hotel arrangement, cars, you name it. Um, That's uh, outstanding. Yeah, it was just it's outstanding. Pretty good. So you know to kind of put a bow on this, um, we're a fraternity, medical service corps leaders. Um, this is a Silver Caduceus Association podcast. Um, I, I'm just amazed at, to hear the stories that I get to listen to through your anecdotes and others of the impact that medical service corps officers have had in support of our army uh, what during maybe during the pandemic but even you know going beyond the pandemic what are some of the success points to keep the camaraderie of medical service corps officers either at the local silver caduceus societies or on up to silver caduceus association what are some things that you all uh, participate in or help lead help organize to keep that that process going I think for us is, uh, you know, being a former deputy surgeon for third ID, we had as uh, one of my former jobs, uh, our super Caduceus society was very big at Fort Stewart. And one of the things we used to do, uh, what we did in the past would have like LPDs and meetings about career management. Um, you know, uh, personnel from HRST would come by and kind of talk to the, the incoming or the new Lieutenants, you know, providing an oversight. That that's the kind of things we got to make sure we do here at Fort Bliss. You know, um, for all the Emmett Medical Service Corps officers, you know, you got to stay connected. You know, not only just stay connected, but you got to you got to reach out to. So how do you reach out? Is you know, contacting um, uh, the five two eight hospital serial commander, reaching out to first armor division deputy surgeon and. You know, last year what we did was we had we celebrated the MSC birthday, and that was a great opportunity for all of us to kind of get together. You know, we're going to have another opportunity coming up in June. Uh, uh, the TSG is going to speak uh, on servant leadership, hmm. and we're going to invite. You know, it's going to be uh, we have it here. Uh, well, not only you know, going to be located here on, on Bliss, but that's another opportunity for for the MSC Medical Service Corps officers can they kind of reach out and get insight. And kind of hear the thoughts of TSG General Dingle, as well as the Command Sergeant Major, just talk about and just listen on 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 the topic of servant leadership, and that's just one example. That's outstanding, outstanding. A common theme, of, you know, throughout this, and uh, it's just my honor to just to be the facilitator on these podcasts and hear you all stories, uh, gentlemen. I want to thank you both today. It's been impactful to me just to listen to your story. Um, any other final thoughts before we close today? The only thing I'd say is, uh, with the the Silver Caduceus Society, Silver Caduceus Association, one of the biggest things that I, uh, it, it's one of the themes I think that 
these organizations exist for and a huge talking point that while we were in California, when I was working with the CEO, the COO, you know, the whole C-suite of this civilian hospital was relationships, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. building relationships, right. maintaining relationships. It's all about the ships. Relationships, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> partnerships, partnerships. And, and just, <laughs> just having someone to pass on information to, to pass on knowledge. Right. And that's what the Silver Caduceus Society does and the Silver Caduceus Association. Um, you know, when we come out of our officer basic course, it's not a whole lot of how do you do your job. So being able to link into one of these organizations where you can build relationships mm -hmm. with other medical service corps officers across your yep. post yep. that have that have already been through your shoes, that have experiences, that have seniority and have life experiences outside of just the brigade combat team mm -hmm. or the field hospital or just the uh the tda facility your you know your uh, army medical center hospital uh being able to talk to other people that can help you navigate your career yeah good point to guide you on the pitfalls that they made so that you don't make them as well um you know that that is just you need that yeah. as a young officer uh, and that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest thing, building those relationships and sharing those relationships is, is what you've got to have. And it, it transcends your military career yep. because if you can learn to do that on this side, it'll be that much easier on the civilian yep, side. It is. As I'm told. It is. Yeah. Well, I can confirm that for sure. Being on the industry side now for sure. Um, well, listen, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jason Williams, commander of the 83 year legacy. Yeah, yeah, 131st, yeah. I, uh, I am so proud of <laughs> the rightfully proud the, the history of the Phantom Medics, and it's just something that we uh, we uh, we talk about every time. Let let everyone know, especially for our incoming, when we do our uh, newcomers brief, we we always go over the legacy and the history. Of That's the great. That's outstanding. And uh, Major Andy Neighbors, XO. So thank you both again today, and folks. Uh, we're going to have to advertise this one. This was a very special podcast. Uh, fate brought us together here for this uh, moment here today. So we'll, uh, we'll get it uh, advertised out on the silver association.org website, as well as you can find us as always on uh, Spotify, Amazon, or Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So one more point from Colonel Williams. I just want to say for, uh, for all our medical service corps officers, um, MSE 70 Bravos who, you know, regardless of your, 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 uh, your AOC. The one of the most important things that you got to make sure you do is you got to stay connected. Mm -hmm. uh, not only stay connected, but make sure you reach out uh, to whoever that senior, whoever that M medical service corps officer is. You know, you can always reach out to Andy or myself. Uh, we will help and assist if you have any questions or comments about career management, about mentorship or versus sponsorship. Uh, we'll let you know. Uh, but you have to. Uh, uh, you got to reach out. Take that uh, initiative. You got to take that initiative mm -hmm. and, and you got to get out your comfort zone. And uh, as being medical service, service corps officers, we, we have to, uh, uh, we got to make sure we do the right thing and, and get, get that reach out and, uh, do the hard work. and do the hard work. Outstanding. And that's all I got. Great. Well, again, thank you very much. That's a wrap for today. And uh, we'll get this circulated as soon as possible. So thank you, gentlemen. No, thank you. Thank you both for your service. Take care. Talk, you, we'll talk to you soon, everybody.
For more information or to listen to other episodes, please visit silvercaducesassociation.org.